0: The physical changes are secondary. It's the mental transformation that gets people hooked on health and fitness. Welcome to the Mental Reps Podcast, where you've come to grow your mind in order to transform your body. I'm your host, Deanna. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Reps Podcast, and it is not going to be another solo episode for today. I'm very excited to have the one and only Zach Trapoti
1: joining us
0: for today's episode because we wanted to do a deep dive into things that we wish we knew when we first started our fitness journey. And we were talking about this the other day and it's been, I mean, how long since you've been on this
1: journey? Uh, So I started working out when I was in eighth grade. So I don't know. Forever <laughs> feels like forever, at least.
0: And and we were kind of going back and forth. Like it has been a very very long time. I mean, upwards of a decade plus for the two of us. And I mean, through sports, football, gymnastics, strength training, cardio, it, we've gone through about a billion phases. I mean, obviously, your journey in eighth grade looked a lot different than right now.
1: Yeah, no, I got. I remember distinctly getting pinned under 135 pounds on a bench for a summer straight. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Like it just, we all start somewhere. Every single one of us, obviously our start to fitness was a while ago before social media and Instagram. And when everybody had to post everything that they were doing and we had the luxury of figuring it the fuck out prior to being broadcasted on the internet. So pros and cons to that now, but We wanted to be able to talk through exactly what we wish we knew back then. And these were things that, you know, sure, in eighth grade could have helped or me. I mean, going through gymnastics could have helped, but really, really things that I think are going to be super beneficial to anyone out there right now who is just starting their journey. And I don't mean in the first month, I mean, the first probably year or two of going through this, it's it's tough.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those processes you have to be really diligent and patient with. Otherwise, you're just going to lead to more frustration. And
0: and like, it's not fun. No, no, it's not. It's (laughs) not fun when you're trying to figure it the fuck out. So we want to help you guys with things that in our 10 to 15 years doing this, we have learned. And we wish that at some point somebody told us and honestly, somebody probably did tell us. Some yeah, of these things yeah.
1: we just we are here to assist yeah,
0: we're here to help you figure it the hell out for yourself. So we've got our top five things we wish we knew when we first started
1: and let's kick it off with number one <laughs> less is more in the gym uh this is definitely a big staple for me and something that took a while for me to really resonate with and really start to put into action because I was very stubborn, you know putting in the effort every single day feeling like that was going to be. The biggest translation to results and muscle growth and all the things. But meanwhile, you're you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. And yeah. something that I really noticed when I started to take time to recover, when I started to be more conscious of rest time, you know, I was really starting to see more results. results. Yeah. yeah. I, that was definitely something that helped me out in the long run was to uh, really give my time my my body some time to rest and recover.
0: So and I'm gonna talk about my my side of this as well, because this was huge for me, but thinking back to like Less is more in the gym. What did a workout for you look like back in, I mean, not eighth grade when you first started, but like going through high school, like you're going to the gym and getting a workout in versus getting a workout in now?
1: Well, I think about like even just our garage sessions in the oh, summer. You was... to tell,
0: tell the people about the garage session. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, it was first of all sick. It was um, sick.
0: It was a great time to be alive. Not yeah. really because it was in the middle of COVID, but. We had access to a friend of ours, uh, shout out Russ if you're ever gonna, Big listen, <laughs> if you're ever gonna listen to this. Um, <laughs> uh, who had a pretty incredible, you know, garage gym with I mean, just about every talking
1: reverse hypers, two squat racks, yeah. all bars, dumbbells D-
0: up to like 150. 150. We were having a field day in there. So I mean, during COVID, I feel like, you know, there really wasn't much to do. So we worked out worked out <laughs> <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. And we even sometimes would go back and do something else at night because there was nothing else to do. So again, we were super fortunate to be able to have access to this. Uh, but okay. Compare what a workout looked like then versus kind of us getting to the gym now.
1: So we used to have a little whiteboard in there. Uh, and I just remember it literally being (laughs) filled from the top to the bottom with four by five by, you know, 15 to 20 reps, whatever the case may be. And it was just, yeah, just, it it was a a plethora of exercises. And, uh, Yeah, you would get a badass workout in but you would also barely be able to do anything else throughout the day.
0: And you just think about like the longevity of that which obviously was not at our forefront of what we were thinking we were just like we've got nothing to do but work out let's just do as much as we can. That is also kind of the approach I know personally that I took when I first first started strength training like and I'm talking post gymnastics life graduated Maryland, you know, I'm on my own I'm, I'm working out for the first time for me. And I talk about this quite a bit. My goal was to grow my legs. Like I want nice quads. I want nice, like my gym sessions and I used to write them up on the notes of my phone. I still do quite a bit. Um, it, Like, I would be embarrassed to show somebody what that was. (laughs) It was, you know, exactly like Zach just said. You know, four sets of squats, five sets of deadlifts. Then we're doing leg extensions, leg curls. We're going to hit the leg press. We're going to do about 100 leg extensions. Then we're going to go back and do walking lunges, finish with Bulgarians, and then do some sort of crazy, like, what – what
1: (laughs) just absolute madness
0: madness uh
1: and like the other thing too is just like a translation from then to now is really just taking the precision of what you're trying to do really narrowing it down to maybe what five or six exercises you know you have your compounds make sure you're doing them first compared to God knows what we were doing before that—just flies and push-ups and anything and everything. Our so-
0: warm-up in those garage sessions was like that was should have been the workout. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, all right, let's get into it. Like an hour. You're in, also a nuts.
1: psychopath. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I will
0: take I will take responsibility for a lot of that craziness because I mean I think it's hard when you love what you do, and we do we love working out, we love fitness, we love getting after it, blasting the music, get a little sweaty, it, it's really easy to get carried away. And if you're a newbie in the gym and you are in that phase of loving it and it takes a little while to get there. First, I'll be honest, you're going to hate it. But once you're past the hating it hump and you start to love it, just be really cognizant of not overdoing it and not getting to the point of, I love it so much, I want to do everything and falling into the trap that we did where it's honestly just too much.
1: Yeah, less is definitely more, especially uh, if you are like a newbie and you are someone just getting into it giving yourself time or even just following something like a total body split where you're mm-hmm. able to work out more frequently um and still stimulate you know the muscle groups that you need to is definitely something to really think about so
0: total body split meaning like you do full body every day kind yeah
1: of yeah except okay. or like every other day for the most part and just that way you're getting enough volume you're getting enough uh stimulus to each muscle group so that way you're making you know adequate gains and you're not putting yourself in a, a injury prone position right?
0: and even thinking back to like I mean obviously the difference in how you feel for a workout like a leg day I used to do where it was I mean truthfully guys 10 to 12 exercises and like four to five sets of each exercise how did I feel at the end of it I felt dead my legs were dead I, I was dying you know was I still building muscle sure but again, sustainability wise, like I would never have been able to do that for years and years and years. And obviously I didn't. So to take that and switch it into, you know, what a leg day for us looks like now. I mean, like Zach said, it's about five to maybe six exercises. Um, But the difference is it's not any easier. It's just smarter because when you're only doing four to let's call it four to seven, really max four to seven exercises. Per workout, you're giving a hundred percent. You should be to those exercises versus what I was doing in the past, where again spread out over fifteen exercises, you almost have to go half ass and like conserve energy in the middle of your squats because you're like, fuck. I still have deadlifts and leg press and leg extensions and leg curls and bulgarians. Like you know, if you give a hundred percent to this exercise, you're not making it through the whole workout, which is really only shying yourself of the potential that you. Can be building because if you're not giving 100%, you know, why are we doing that exercise? Right.
1: Yeah. And I think another cool thing or something to really just touch on too is I feel like a lot of the times we would really wear ourselves down beforehand. And mm-hmm. something that I've definitely taken into account now with my training is don't wear yourself out with the warm up sets beforehand. Right, right. Right. Really just try to give yourself like thinking rather than muscle fatigue with, you know, eight to 12 reps per, like per set. Up. Yeah, like yeah. really warming up. Like make sure you do your dynamic stretching beforehand and you're you're really just stimulating more of the nervous system. So you're doing like lower sets, maybe focusing more on like the negatives or eccentrics, but mm-hmm. really that's something as far as like breaking plateaus, hitting more like strength PRs, like those things right. keeping into account is definitely really important.
0: Too. Yeah, and like with a warm-up set too, because I always get asked this, if your workout for squats, let's say, uh, is four sets of eight, like that first set, set number one of four, it only really starts when you're at a heavy enough weight where eight reps is challenging. If you're squatting and you get under and you just use the bar because you're kind of getting a little loose, that's not set number one. If you tack on 45s to each side and you bang out eight reps like it's nothing, that's not set number one. Like set number one starts when you do eight reps that are very, very challenging. Cool. That's set one. We've got three more like that. What is trying to say too is like the warm ups of the bar and then the forty fives and then you added this and then out of that. Don't be doing eight to ten reps of all of that, working yourself up. So by the time you do get to set one, you're like, Oh shit, I'm exhausted. I mean, I think he, we were deadlifting the other day, his warm-up set. I think you did two reps. Yeah. And it was like a moderately challenging weight. And the point of it is not to fatigue out your your body. It's to get a little loose, get some blood flow, and then be able to add more weight on safely. So you're not just going up to the deadlift platform and starting with, you know, five plates on the fucking bar like lunatic over here. Let's go. Literally five plates. It was making it was causing a scene at the gym. Anyway, point being is warm up slowly. Don't do it to excess, but less is more in the gym. Truthfully, compounds, things like that. You want to be getting four to seven exercises in and give a hundred percent to those things and let your body rest. Let yourself take a breather between your rests, I mean between your sets. Um and just focus on on what's actually gonna be making the difference.
1: Number two (laughs) track your food
0: definitely a big, 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 big one for us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no
0: thoughts come to mind. Track your food number two for us. I would say that's probably the top top one thing that I wish I knew how to do the right way. And if you have listened to the show before, you're not new to the Mental Reps podcast, you've heard me talk about this quite a bit, but I thought it'd be really cool to just gain Zach's perspective on this as well, because females, and I, I mean, I work with all women tracking definitely gets viewed as you know restrictive or obsessive or and for a while for me it 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 was but i think everyone has to go through like the ups and downs of tracking and logging and learning uh to get to a place where you're like shit, this is so helpful and i just actually got a check-in from a client earlier this morning about the freedom that she has with food because of macros and that is i mean ultimately to sum it up that is why we all should be tracking but I mean, going back to why this is important, like what, when did you kind of start tracking your food? I don't know if we even really talked about
1: that. Um, I think like later in college, like kind of settling down with football and starting to get more into like the bodybuilding realm. But I think just in general, like getting really frustrated when you're not seeing results and you're not tracking your food is just, it's a direct correlation and something that I wish I would have done a lot sooner and would have seen a lot more results from it.
0: Yeah. And I think- again, our for both of us, our fitness journeys started, um, I mean, there's different phases, but they started as athletic and athletes and sports and football, gymnastics. like. So I, I think any athlete, it kind of goes in twofold. One, you know, you need to eat healthy. Like typically speaking, athletes are not the people who are like, you know, going crazy on fast food or ordering a bunch of this or constantly snacking. Like, you know, in some capacity that you need to fuel your body. Heavy carb. <laughs> yeah. Lots of carbs as any athlete would agree. Like, So, going through that stage of our fitness journey, like I wasn't really concerned with tracking food. I wasn't really concerned with a protein goal. Like, of course, I made sure there was vegetables on my plate because that's, you know, the way I was raised. But it wasn't until, you know, college rolled around and you're making food for yourself and you're choosing food and you're going grocery shopping on your own. Parents aren't there. It's like, okay, I need to really learn how the hell to eat. And I don't like, nobody really teaches you that. Like, did any of your coaches ever kind of? Teach you?
1: No, and I mean you have like your typical health classes and things like that, where they're you know talking about protein being essential. Where are they even really talking about protein I being don't even that know, essential? Yeah. It's more just like fruits and veggies and color. On I your forget plate. what the heck that little plate thing used to be. Like but,
0: the my plate. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, Fill yeah. your protein is this much, carbs is that much. They teach you the basics of like I think health, but when it comes I think it's different when there's health versus there's like fitness and goals and muscle building. And yes, you still apply the principles of health, but you take it to that next level of like, okay, well, I, there is a big difference between eating a hundred grams of protein a day and 150, as far as how I look and how I feel and how my body responds. And it's not something that I think is taught very well. Um, so most people, I think when they start tracking, it does feel a little bit intimidating and a little bit scary
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, It's something that you get really used to with time. But a lot of the time with any habit, people are really hesitant of jumping into it because it's going to take time. It is tedious. It is hard work. But like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The results that you're going to get with that consistency is with anything. It. You know you're going to to get reap those results if you put in the time
0: yeah and i was just actually talking to a a client earlier this morning um who had never tracked in her past and she's been with me for a little while now and tracking macros and she wrote a message about how you know she just has so much more food freedom because of macro tracking. And like, essentially that is the purpose of tracking your food. It's not to be restrictive or obsessive or, oh my gosh, I can't just eat this apple. I have to log it in. It's to know what the hell you're putting in your body. And again, why I wish I knew that because when I started tracking, this was like my, I think my sophomore year of college, um, I started tracking for the restriction and for the obsession and for the holy moly, I can't eat more than 1200 calories knowing damn well. I had, you know, a four hour practice that day and lift and we were running sprints and it became obsessive, it became restrictive. And I thought that that's what tracking was. But I think the way you approach it and how you get into it also determines a lot of your success with it.
1: Yeah, I think it all comes down to mindset when it comes to your workouts, when it comes to tracking. Like if you're going into saying yeah. you have to do this versus I get to do this, that right. that in itself is gonna make a world of a difference. So right.
0: um, or even looking at it like I can't I can't eat that because I have to log it in or I don't know like, you know what I mean? Where there's like certain foods like I can't eat it because I have yeah. to.
1: And I think that's one of the issues that people have with tracking too is they're going throughout their day, you know, trying to scramble and trying to put things in. And then at the end of the night, trying to fill those gaps where I think something that we can even touch on is just pre logging and how much that's made a difference with our, you know, results and just how much more freedom you have with food and how you're able to incorporate things that you still like while still meeting your goals and, um, do you want to touch on that? Yeah. A bit? It, and
0: it makes me smile too hearing him say that because I talk to you guys about it all the damn time. You guys are like, I've heard this bitch talk about pre-logging. If any of my clients are listening to this too, they're like, I never want to hear that word again. Uh, but they know how important it is. I know how important it is. And I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I feel like I've taught Zach quite a few things as far as tracking macros go.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think in general, <laughs> with- I do my
0: best. I do my part in teaching the things that work. And pre logging was a big thing, um, especially for him. And I'm I'm the same way. Like we enjoy sweets, we enjoy snacks. Like I love candy. Zach loves candy. He's a candy man. Me, I'm more of like the chocolate kind of person. Cookies, sweets, that deal. But neither one of us ever hit a point in our fitness journey where we were okay with not eating those things. And I think it's pretty cool to also recognize like, shit, we've seen a good amount of results, you know, physically speaking from then versus now, and never at any point in our journey did we have to cut out any of those foods. And that is all due to being able to track, being able to log, being in the middle of COVID, like we said, doing these crazy cycle workouts, but then knowing damn well, we are making a big old batch of cookies coming that night because that's what everybody did during COVID is they baked their asses off and we did too. But we were able to make everything work and we've taken a lot of that with us Um, and i for me at least have kind of gotten rid of some of that like restrictive obsessive tendencies of nutrition because tracking my food allows me to make sure i'm eating enough for my goals and then you see the results physically which i think makes tracking a little bit more rewarding when you know it's working
1: yeah when you see the proof in the pudding i think it just makes it that much easier to want to do it and i think you know there's a lot of hesitation when it comes to tracking because of how difficult it is if you don't have like a nutrition background or anything like that it can definitely be overwhelming and don't like start small start with your calories start with your protein and really just work on consistently hitting those markers first before you dive in and because with the overwhelming of fats and carbs and fiber, fiber and sugar and, yeah and exactly it, yeah
0: it's it's I, world. Yeah,
1: I would say definitely start small, get yourself really consistent and, and rolling with it. And then, you know, like we said, keep harping on the proof is in the pudding. You're going to see the results. If you're consistently hitting your protein goal, granted, if it is a good protein goal, right, right, right. Um, you're going to see the results.
0: So if you don't know where to start with macros either, Zach and I both use the first form app for all of our tracking. Um, they actually have like registered dietitians and just a really, really good system where when you're signing up, like you. Get calorie targets, you get macro targets. So, that unknown of like, well, I'm tracking, but how much or what do I eat or what? If you don't know where to start, like, I would highly recommend that being the place that you start. If you're not in a position right now to hire or invest in your health and fitness journey by working with a coach one on one, but you do still need that guidance and that advice, I would recommend joining that app. Um, it's super user friendly as far as tracking goes love too. It. Yeah, we love it. It has like the little pictures of the food too. It just makes it in my opinion, a little bit more enjoyable. Um, so if you're looking for a place to start and you're, you're listening to this, like, shit, I know I need to do it, but I've been a little hesitant. Like you can work with either Zach or I in the app. Um, I'll put our links. If you guys do want to join in, I'll put the links in the description of today's episode, but we are also happy to help just because we've been in your shoes and we know how difficult it can be and how many questions there are. So whatever it may be, we're happy to help. Number three on our list of five things we wish we knew when we first started is your, and this is going to be a hard pill to swallow, but we're going to explain it. And trust me, you guys will be grateful for this. Your first cut, your first cutting phase isn't going to turn out the way you think it is. And what I mean by that is going through your first cut, because I know this is like the new, the new trend in fitness, everybody, you know, it's summer hits and we're all in a cutting phase. Great your cut going through a calorie deficit and you're losing a little bit of weight and you're seeing a little bit of fat loss, you are not going to wind up with the physique that you probably think you will. And you may not be as lean and shredded and striations and all this fancy, crazy nonsense that comes with cutting the first time you do it.
1: Yeah. I think uh, a big misconception or something that I really like to just tell my clients in general is you, you need the material in order to sculpt, right? It's if you don't, if you're a skinny fat or you're just, you don't have the muscle that you want to show when you go to cut down and you try to show it, it's not really going to be there. Right. There's nothing.
0: (laughs) And that's not like, that's not, no, no shame to anybody at all. I think it's just a realistic expectation that a lot of people need to have because it's, people underestimate how hard it is to build muscle. Like it is, so hard to actually see physical muscle growth. Of course you could gain weight and some of that could be muscle, but for your body to actually put on five pounds of muscle, 10 pounds of muscle is incredibly difficult and it takes a hell of a lot of time. So unless you do that very, very intentionally before you cut for like years of your life, before you cut, you're not going to be left with this like super toned, defined cuts, like see shoulder definition. When you cut, you're probably just going to wind up being a smaller version of what you currently look like now.
1: Yeah. I think something really, really big to harp on too is at least for me, I went through a big yo-yo effect of trying to put on size, starting to get a little fluffy, then, you know, (laughs) especially in high school, starting to run on the treadmill again or whatever it is just to start to, you know, like the way I looked again. It's like an
0: uncomfortable stage. Yeah.
1: But you really got to like dive in. You really have to commit. Yes, you're going to gain fat, but the amount of fat that you gain with that muscle and in that caloric surplus is directly correlated to tracking your food, having your whole food meals, like diet,
0: lifestyle, sleep, yeah.
1: really just picking the path and choosing it and running with it is going to help you with less frustration when you go into that cut because you really did commit to putting on muscle first with a surplus versus going into a cut.
0: Right. And that's not to say either that you're not going to look and feel better after your cutting phase like you are. And this is not to discredit anybody's work out there or to, you know, discourage you from going into a cut. It's more so, again, to have realistic expectations. Like, I know a lot of women out there too we compare we compare we compare we compare we saw somebody on instagram who's super lean they've got a six pack they have cuts through their shoulders quads look good and then you look at your mirror and your reflection and you're like okay i do want to go through a cut i have a little bit of extra body fat on me which there's nothing wrong with having physical goals like that do not let anybody tell you otherwise but it's not always realistic to think that if i drop five pounds of body fat i will look like x i will look like blank because again there's a good chance you don't necessarily have the amount of muscle on you to look like that when you shed down to look like that when the body fat comes down so to Zach's point being able to recognize like I need to build quite a bit beforehand in order to look any different through that cut not just be 10 pounds lighter but look the same way
1: yeah plus the cool part is too with uh giving yourself a little bit more time to put on more muscle when you go into that cut, you're going to be able to eat a little bit more food Mm -hmm. versus, you know, going into it, not having your ideal weight or muscle mass on you. Um, I think it's just really important too, to just make sure that you are continuing to push your calories. Yeah.
0: Push, build, and give it the time it needs. Like Zach's last building phase was, uh, you know, Interesting. Hefty. Hefty was the word that comes to mind. He was he was a little chunky and hard
1: to breathe. Lethargic stairs were not my friend. Yeah,
0: he was a little chunky. And if any of you guys know, you know what he looks like or anything like that. I mean, those stages are necessary. Like he obviously was going through a build for a bodybuilding show, which required him to need to put on a couple more pounds of muscle and whatever. But I mean, realistically, like how much weight did you gain?
1: Um, I think I started prep probably like two twenty five ish, and I finished off at 265,
0: 270. So, I mean, a good.
1: Good 40, 50, 45. We'll call, it
0: four, we'll call it 45 pounds. Yeah. And again, he pushed like how I was with him every single day of this building phase. Calories were extremely high. Gym sessions were extremely intense. Muscle was, I mean, it was being built, but in a realistic standpoint of the 40 pounds you put on, how much of that do you, and this is, I have no idea, genuine question. How much of that do you think is muscle?
1: I mean, putting on that much and I think within the time span, because like we keep harping on is giving yourself the time to actually do it. Like that was between like two, I mean, towards the while. end. Yeah, it was like two years after because I competed in 2021. Right. And then competed after what last winter. Um, so really just giving yourself the time to put it on. I would say like 15, 20 pounds of muscle compared to my last stage weight. And it made a big difference when I cut down. And Right.
0: Yeah. So I mean, let's call it 15 pounds of muscle, Yeah. right? 15 pounds of muscle built and put on to a 40, 45 pound weight gain. So it's very realistic that weight needs to come up in order to build muscle. It's also very realistic that you're going to gain body fat during this time, which as he said, is uncomfortable. And you start to question it. And then you start to say, oh, maybe I'll just add in a little bit of cardio. Maybe I'll just cut calories down a little bit. You short yourself the growth that you need in order for that cut to be any different. If he had stopped his building phase at 20 pounds gained, because like that's still a significant amount of weight, he would have cut, maybe put on three to five pounds of muscle, but really not looked any different. Because three three to five pounds of muscle is not a bad place to be. But if you want to look significantly different, you need to put on a significant amount of muscle before you start cutting back down.
1: Yeah, you got to put in your due diligence and you got to put on the the material in order to sculpt. It's yeah. Like and it's it's a it's a
0: year by year by year by year process. I always like to say like the 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 pro bodybuilders who are up there and look fucking incredible. They've been cutting and bulking and cutting and bulking and cutting for 10, 15, 20 years at this point. So if you're a little bit upset or disappointed in your results of your first cut, know that that's normal. And then use that as fuel to your fire to be able to go into a little bit more of an aggressive building phase so that the next cut you do have a little bit more muscle mass on you first before you start to dial back down
1: ah number four (laughs) (laughs) whole meal calories versus snack calories i think this is a a big one for both of us especially thinking back to to high school like in particular just snack 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 monsters um (laughs) but really just seeing the key difference with choosing the right foods versus, you know, the processed junk that we used to consume at all times. All times. Uh, It was, and then the results really just prove that, you know, just how much that shows. And I think just with muscle growth, with strength gain, with just the way that we look at our physiques dramatically changed when we started to really harp on. Meal prepping and, you know, not the going to the store. Of the food yeah. You
0: put in your body. I mean, that, I think nutter that's, butters. Yeah. I was just <laughs> gonna talk about the nutter butters. That is everything. And I, I think it's so funny because it's like I think going back to high school, I don't I never really weighed myself in high school. I don't think I really gave a shit and wasn't any bit relevant to me at all. But I would argue I was probably about the same weight that I am now. And Zach pulled up an old um, picture of us on those like Snapchat memories. And what did you tell me about my face?
1: A little chunky in the face. He's
0: like, you were a little (laughs) chubby a little bit. And like, obviously I wasn't, but, and I wasn't like the scale was just about the same. My body composition was entirely different. It was way higher body fat, way less muscle mass, but the scale weighed about the same. And going back to quality of food, like I think I was just freaking inflamed. Yeah. Like I think from just a abundance of processed option, which again, in high school, you're young, you're this no one like nobody, you don't need to be giving a crap about your nutrition every ounce of every second of every day. But the two of us, we're snackers. We like to snack.
1: triscuits, nutter butters. uh, I don't even know candy, what else. Sour Candy, sour patch. Like
0: we used to, I mean, again, athletes, sports, practice, whatever, but we would end the night most nights with some sort of snack and I remember we'd go down to your room mm-hmm. in in your house and we'd have some sort of snack with us, whether that was like an entire, what is it, sleeve or case of like nutter butter cookies, mm-hmm. which at, by the way, I convinced myself back then like wholeheartedly nutter butters were good for you. Why? Because peanut butter was protein and then we just got like a little cracker and it's like, you know, it's a healthy mu- that's a fucking cookie. That is. There is no even disguise. And like, I can't even. I would argue this with people because again, I thought peanut butter was protein, which is great. Uh, no, we used to eat nut Butters like by the case, which were, I mean, fantastic. Zach would eat triscuits by the box. Like I think from a candy standpoint too.
1: Yeah, I forget what triscuit flavor it was. I think it was fig and something.
0: I thought it was like the, garden the fire. Group.
1: Yeah, there's the fire roasted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. bussin.
0: So as we're both getting hungry, back to our point when you are going through this journey and again you're prioritizing nutrition the other side of this for me was um thinking that i could like outsmart my calories for the day so you know i'm not really hungry for lunch like i don't i don't need to eat all those calories in a sandwich i'll just have a little of this I'll just have a little of that. I'll just grab a handful of blueberries. I'll just have a couple of Nutter Butters or a couple of Triscuits. And then all of a sudden in my mindless, aimless snacking of a bunch of crap food, I've probably consumed more calories during that time than if I had just had what I had planned for lunch. And I always, always did this with thinking like, I'll just skip out on a meal and I'll eat a little less for today. I'll wake up a little later tomorrow. And in the meantime, wind up consuming garbage calories that added up way quicker, did not fill me up, did not keep me satisfied instead of just having the meal that I had planned.
1: Yeah. I think a big thing there too, is if you're feeling snacky, have a meal, no, (laughs) have a meal, like have a whole food meal. Like if you're going to be snacky and you have something that's processed and uh, refined, it's not going to be
0: it's not not going to be
1: fulfilling at all and it's going to unless you're really you know having chicken breasts or you're having like we keep saying whole foods you're gonna continue to feel hungry and you're gonna get hangry especially if you're in a cut and you're having those snacky like foods like it's not going to help your case at all as far as staying sane you're probably gonna want to eat your hand off and
0: then that's what happens is you have a couple of bites of a snack and guess what it didn't fill you up so you need a couple more bites and then a couple more bites. And then you say, fuck it, these Triscuits aren't filling me up. So you switch gears into a different snack and you have a couple bites of those and a couple of that. And then you say, fuck it, that's not filling me up. And you continue on that cycle until you've now eaten more calories. And I remember even when I had first started uh, personal training, like in person, one of the mentors, coaches, person training us um, had said something along the lines of like, I don't know what a snack is. He's like, "I, I do not understand a snack. Like, are you hungry? If the answer is yes, eat a meal. If the answer is no, don't eat anything. He's like, there should never be a snack, which I mean is a little bit dramatic. But to his point, if you can sit there and be like, oh, I need a snack, ask yourself, like, would I have chicken and rice right now? Like, am I hungry to eat chicken and rice? The answer is no. You probably don't need a handful of Triscuits. You probably don't need one or two Nutter Butters. And those types of calories will add up very, very quickly without fueling your body, your muscle, your fat loss, and kind of just leaving you at a standstill of not seeing the progress you probably should be seeing. And last but not least, number five, something I wish that someone had told me. Wait, wait, wait.
1: Mambo, number five. All right.
0: Number five, something I wish that's, I can't believe you, you're (laughs) unbelievable. Um, Wish that someone had told me was just to rework my expectation to not think that everyone is just always motivated. Like everyone on Instagram and social media, Mm -hmm. like they're just good. They have the perfect physique all of the time from the second they wake up till the second they go to bed. They're constantly loving their workouts in the gym. They feel freaking good. It's easy for them to eat the foods. Like I know it may sound simple now because I do think that people on social media do at least a little bit of a better job showing like the real side of things. But back when I had been like starting my journey and following these people, like my expectation was like they just live it and love it. And they look damn good doing it. And then on my bad days or when I sat down and like I had a couple of stomach rolls and I'm like, what the, what is wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong that I don't feel the way that they feel when in reality, they don't feel that way. It's a highlight reel. Instagram is not, not a true look into what their journey looks like.
1: Instagram is not reality. And I think a big thing to harp on again is don't compare apples to oranges yeah. you're on your own fitness journey you're doing your own thing and the results that you're getting and going to want are going to take due diligence and, and time like a lot of these influencers especially like when instagram first started yeah. and they're already in really good shape think about like the amount of training that they had beforehand right compared to your journey now that's and even like just the, we were
0: saying too like going back to eighth grade or high school like nobody i wasn't broadcasting my workouts online was i working out Hell yeah. Did I look any bit decent? Did I have good form? Did I know what I was doing? Absolutely not. But it's not documented. The only thing that's documented now is me further along on my journey doing the damn thing. And when I first started and I followed people who were doing the damn thing and I didn't feel like that. I didn't feel like I was comfortable in the gym. I didn't feel like I was always motivated. I, I thought like, you know, this just must not be for me. Like I must be doing something wrong. And I would kind of force myself into a box of, Zach, I don't know if you did this either, into what other people were doing. So if I followed so-and-so who looked a certain way and they were always running, well, shit, I should be running. If so-and-so was always eating blank, well, that's what I should be eating. And for a while, I was very miserable in my journey because I'm not a runner. Like I don't like to run. And I remember forcing myself to go on these runs for I don't know what reason, and it wound up being very unsustainable and very unfulfilling um, where I just kind of chalked it up to like, oh, well, I guess this whole fitness thing isn't for me when the reality is I should have just taken a look internally as like what I actually enjoy. I don't know if you did that with like anyone online or not really. I would
1: say something to really touch on is don't just follow your influencers workout that day. And that just goes into more of that. like They
0: can't just follow my workout? What do you mean?
1: Well, just (laughs) (laughs) progressive overload. And when we're talking about results or that's, that's a key and essential thing when it comes to seeing the results that you want to see. And really, if you love your you know influencer split or you love their workout, incorporate that workout three to four weeks. Right. Train that. See what you're using rep-wise and what you're using for the weights. Um, and really just going week by week to incorporate and really progress those lifts is how you're going to see results. Not switching it up here and there because you know yeah. X said to do this or whatever it is. Yeah. I think just really harping on progressive overload and really just making sure you have a dialed in plan is going to help you that much more.
0: Yeah, I think sticking to the basics on repeat um, with throwing in a couple, of, a little bit of this and that from time to time with a certain workout you found on Instagram or a certain exercise you really want to try. I mean, by all means, you don't need to be bored in your journey, but you don't need to fit yourself into this box of what you think your fitness journey should look like. And Zach probably had a little bit of an easier time to this. I'm sure you can agree with. You always kind of strength trained, like really no point in your journey where you were like, I'm going to pick up, I don't know, cardio instead yeah, of Yeah, I think lifting. it was just
1: incorporated with my athletic background too, right. especially like when I got to college and with the brutal field workouts or yeah. being with the psychopath and, you know, after-
0: That's me, guys. Yeah, I'm after, a psychopath.
1: Yeah, uh, after, I don't even know, doing our 25 exercises, going out in the blazing heat and doing- Hill sprints and (laughs) sled drags and prowler and reverse backward sprints. Listen, I
0: still love that shit. If you you ask me right now, would you rather go to the gym and lift or would you rather go to the field? What would I pick?
1: definitely the field because she's a psychic. i'd
0: rather go to the field like that's. i like to move my body like that but again it's something i found that i enjoyed and recognizing it's okay to add those things in i don't expect the same results as anybody else out there my results are for me my programs for me my you know the way that we go about things it's for what you enjoy but don't whatever
1: makes you feel free
0: okay that too <laughs> feel free in your in your fitness journey but don't allow yourself to compare to others um thinking that they're perfect and if you don't feel perfect this isn't working for you. Like nobody out there, us included, we've been doing this for so damn long. And honestly, the last couple of weeks for us have been a big old rut of like, fuck, we don't want to go to the gym. Okay. Let's just get it done. Like we don't want to do this. All right. Let's just get it done. Get it done. Get it done. Kind of head, head down, just grinding and and relying. Yeah. And relying on each other for a little bit of that accountability, a little bit of that discipline. And even if we don't feel a hundred percent, like the work we're putting in right now, it still matters. Effort's still there. Progress is still there. And it's not always going to feel like sunshine and rainbows. And I wish along the way someone had told me that. So as a whole, five things that we wish we knew when we had first started our fitness journey decades and decades ago at this point. But each of these things can and should apply to you in your journey, whether you're in the first couple of months or the first couple of years, there is something you can pull from today to start to enjoy your journey a little bit more and even start to see a little bit more progress as well. Appreciate each of you guys for tuning in for today's episode and just listening on to some of these helpful tips for each of us.
1: And thank you very much for inviting me into the kitchen for your podcast today, you I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. We'll uh, continue uh, grooving and moving from here. But thank you guys all, and I will catch you guys next week.
1: Yep, Yep.